When I'm on my way to drop off the kids at school and I'm on about five hours of sleep and I haven't had my coffee yet, I'm truly one of a kind. Yeah, this sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. It is. But there is one thing I can do immediately to bring some comfort and calm to the situation and keep me moving forward. Eat Keebler Sandies. I like to think that if the good-looking guy was still around, sitting on the couch, comforting himself about not getting into college, he'd ditch the Cocoa Puffs and down some Keebler Sandies instead. Mixed with chocolate syrup? Ooh, why not? When you need a comforting moment for yourself, Keebler Sandies is the perfect treat to keep you going. Each Keebler Sandies shortbread cookie is baked to perfection by the Keebler Elves for a light sweetness and a texture that melts in your mouth. The next time you feel like you're juggling it all, reach for Keebler Sandies shortbread cookies to enjoy a simple moment of comfort. When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that's exactly what you'll get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want, and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Writer, I like your glasses. Thank you. Um, I've been wearing them a lot lately because I uh, am I'm out of contacts. I, oh. I wear daily contacts for astigmatism and I have run out. So I'm when did, on when did you I'm start wearing glasses? I mean, when did you start needing contacts? Uh, in my mid-20s. I, I was, I, yeah, I remember sitting in a theater in New York with my buddy and like, I couldn't see the stage, you know, I was like squinting and I was like, like, and I was like, yeah, I was like, why am I? And I was like, yeah, so I was like 26, which I think is when, you know, it starts happening. If you're going to have a astigmatism, like bad eyes, at least that's what I was told. And then I got writers writing a review. It was, this was, it was, it was a decent play. I found the actors to be very blurry. blurry. I thought they could have done something about that, frankly. (laughs) 
Will, do you yeah, wear glasses? Uh, no, I'm. I have strange eyes. Um, when I was <laughs> eight years old, I was diagnosed with something called keratoconus in one eye. So my cornea is shaped like a cone instead okay. of concave. So I need to wear one, like glass. I've worn one glass essentially. It's called gas permeable, but like a thick, heavy contact lens in one eye. You have a glass since I was eye. Eight years old. You have a glass you know, eye. My eyes normal, but the tiny little <laughs> contact lens I wear. That's and with the fun thing is, you know, with the daily ones that Ryder wears. I've worn soft contact lenses. It's like an angel is softly kissing your eyeball as mm -hmm. it yeah, helps your vision. It doesn't vision. bother me at all. I find glasses no. more annoying than contacts. Some exactly. people just can't wear contacts. No. But you have like a full-on piece of I have like a piece glass, of glass a and like a, a lens <laughs> in my... So if the tiniest little grain of sand or dust gets in there, it's like just a, a ice pick in your eyeball. Do you have to wash it every night then? Oh yeah, with water. You have to do every, the whole, every morning, like, every night, every day, every uh, day. And see, when then, I first you know, got contacts, I had to do that. Like you know, I would wear the monthly contacts or whatever. And when I got the dailies, I was like, oh, this yeah. is a dream because I used to fall asleep with them in my eyes. Oh, oh geez, that's not good. And then tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. and then tomorrow, strangely enough, that we're when we're recording this, but it's weird that you asked. Tomorrow, I actually have an eye doctor's appointment, and it looks like I finally have to get reading glasses. So. Mm. I think you should. Man. I think I you should just wear an eye patch. Just take out yes. the take out the glass eye. Why and would just I do that. Do you know listen, why? Do you, you know why pirates wore eye patches? Oh gosh, why? Do you know why pirates wore eye patches? People thought it was because they'd lost an eye in battle. No, pirates actually wore eye patches to constantly keep one eye dark, so that if they had to in battle go under to the second floor of the um like the 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 bottom of the ship, which was dark, they'd move the patch over, and they were already accustomed to the dark, so they could see everything in the dark. Where'd you That's read this? I mean, it, that sounds really cool, but it also sounds like. Complete crap. That no, like totally this is true. no, this is apparently this is true. We will okay, send, send letters. No, so apparently the, the pirate, because what you would have to do is you would always have to, if they would attack another ship, you would have to go from where it's very bright to the top deck to the uh, yeah, bottom deck sense. where it's the, very dark. So they the pull cones the patch and rods over. and the adjustment. Yeah, no, it totally pull, makes, yeah. it's, it's actually really a cool thing, but I've yeah. never heard that before. I have, yeah. So that's hmm. apparently what, what they say. I read a lot of history books and, and watch a lot of history channels. So that's what well, I know, hear. I've been blown away by Will's wealth of knowledge and factoids and trivia. <laughs> it's useless really, knowledge. it's always, no, it's not useless. You've been ever since like the age of 16 when I met you, I feel like you've just had this wealth. I mean, like, I remember like, like Greek myths. It's astounding oh, it. to me. Like you say one thing, like I had Will on my, my other podcast, Literary what? Disco. Literary I had disco. Will on my other podcast and we did a fantasy themed episode because he's our fantasy and sci-fi correspondent. And like, I, I made a reference to a Pegasus and Will's knowledge just like, <laughs> well, did you know the truth about Pegasus? Oh, what's that? Pegasus is not a species. That's actually it's the name not. of Pegasus a specific was horse. One horse. Yes. <laughs> Pegasus was Perseus's and horse. We, there are other, there are other flying winged, winged horses, but I mean, Pegasus how is you one keep this stuff one. in your brain and then like <laughs> random boy meets world episodes they're they're all like, like if on. we could just if we could do a journey through will's brain it would just be like uh, uh, fantasy storylines like the, and, and like huge family lines of fantasies because you know he reads like the thousand page book oh, they'll yeah. remember everybody's name how they're all related all the yep. greek myths all they're all behind like, me that's all, all my that's and then, fantasy all and then there. boy and, meets world lines and every episode of mash Oh and man! Every episode don't, of even get, don't even get me started. When I was so for our live show, we did something very fun that involved some trivia, and mm -hmm. I was doing the deep dive into Boy Meets World trivia. And m most of it, when I got to the harder stuff, I had no idea, none. Yeah, yeah. And no, I was neither did we. No, and I remember then, but then I tried to put it in context of Mash, as in I'm a Mash fan, so a Boy Meets World fan. 
Uh-huh. Right. Hearing these questions, I could have answered every single one of them about oh Mash. Gosh. You could about Mash. Yeah. So a Boy okay. Meets World fan will will nail what well, you know would have nailed these questions. I have I this no memory. Idea. I have this memory of hanging out at your apartment in the Oakwoods first season, and uh, you said. I remember every line from every movie I've ever seen. And I was like, that is such crap. That's not true. And you're like, give me a movie. Give me a scene. And the only movie at the time that I knew, like forwards and backwards, was Stand By Me, which was my favorite movie. I had seen it 50 times, literally at that age. And, you know, whatever. I've talked about how much I still love that movie. But it was the only movie I knew. And I was like, okay, the bridge scene. When they have to cross the the, the br- and you proceeded to go line <laughs> by line. You walk five miles down the river, you got to walk five miles back. <laughs> Meanwhile, well, you guys are dragging your candy asses halfway across. The- I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was sitting there just being like, oh my god. And you're like, do you want me to keep going? And you knew. It. I was like, how many times have you seen the movie? He's like, eh, once. But you just oh think- and then gosh. just just yesterday or two days ago, I told you I was teaching broadcast news to my my screenwriting uh, class, and yeah. you were like, oh, great movie. And he started quoting scenes line by line. He's like, oh. When and the producer says, uh, you know, you must be hard being the smartest person in the room. And she goes, no. oh, no. I was like, how do you remember this? Oh, wow. It's insane. Yeah. It's just yeah. the way my memory were. I mean, again, I would read. I would by, by day two of Boy Meets, Road, Boy Meets Road rehearsals. I knew everybody's lines. Just everybody's lines were in my I head. Know. They were just I, there. I did used to be that way for our show, like while we were going through it. And even now as as a director, uh, if I'm directing a sitcom, I will know everybody's lines in every scene and what their blocking is. Because that's it's just in your head. It's just in your head. You must do that with literature writer. I mean, you read so much. There's got to be some books that you could quote backwards and forwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Palms. I used to memorize palms completely. I mean, there was there was a moment when I was going to actually try and memorize all of Walt Whitman's song myself, which is like you know, hundred and some pages or whatever. But and I got pretty far. Like, but yeah, but no, I don't. You know, but I would just remember the difference between like you and me. Will was that I would read things over and over and memorize them. You would only have to hear something once. If you read something, you wouldn't remember it as well. No, as not if you as much. Heard yeah. it, right? Because I remember you saying I'm that if you were in a class, too. yeah, if you were in a class, you wouldn't take notes. You just focus on the teacher, yeah. and you'd remember everything. Yeah, I'm the exact opposite. Like I need to like write it down. I need to and, write it and read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I, but then again, I think this one of the things this podcast has showed me is that my memory is not as good as. I thought it was or other people thought it was because people send us pictures or things like that. Yeah. And I, we got that, what, yesterday somebody sent a picture. No memory of that whatsoever. And Ryder, you proceeded to give a four-page <laughs> dissertation of everything that had happened that day. And I remembered none but that's of it. What's, but that's what's so cool about this is that we're able to share all these memories. Yeah. You know, because yeah. like it is interesting what, what we remember like individually and it kind of, you know adds up to hopefully it does it forms the whole it forms the whole painting one of us has this color one of us has this color (laughs) oh man i didn't even know this was happening well one thing is for sure we all remember our guest this week oh yeah so let me welcome you to pod meets world i'm danielle fischel i'm Ryder strong i think i'm wilfredell hmm maybe as always we have got say it will merch We've got merch. We have holiday merch, guys. We went over this a little bit, but we have got two hoodies. Yep. The number one most requested item, mugs. And we brought back Save the Plane for Minkus with a new colorway. It's in blue. This is for real the last time. You can, this is your chance to get it. It's in blue. Once the holidays are over, it is gone forever, forever, ever. Uh, like we the have plane you would have missed. 
<laughs> Correct. That yes. plane is long gone. gone. Long gone. Yeah. <laughs> We've got bumper stickers. We've got lots of fun things. So check out our holiday merch and um, a shady melon shirt. <laughs> Do you want to always commemorate the very odd cantaloupe that Alan held while slyly referencing Hamlet, only to smash it on the ground and then leave the room? <laughs> well, we all know one. And now you can have the shady melon tea. So Jeff Minnell was the executive story editor, producer, and writer of Boy Meets World. IMDb credits him with writing 18 episodes, and in season one, he wrote two episodes, and he was the executive story editor for four episodes, which I don't really know what that means. Have we, t- did we talk about that? Executive story editor? I can't wait to ask him. We, we talk about credits, how writers, yeah. you know, you create these yeah. credits for writers in order to get them like producer credits and whatnot. It's, because, yeah, it's a regular story editor, yeah. but you get to use the big bathroom. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Let's welcome <laughs> Jeff Manel. You guys look good. How yeah, you doing? You, do. you look great. What do you call me, Jeff? For you've never called me that in your life, <laughs> Manel. Sorry, Manel. There you go. That's right. <laughs> How you guys we doing? Had a, but we had a bunch of Jeffs on the show. In in all fairness. Oh, you have yeah. already? I haven't listened to no, everything. No, 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 no. I'm saying on on Boy, we had- Oh, that show. Manel, McCracken, Sherman. We had, there was Jeff's, the Jeff's abound on You're Boy right. World. Yeah. You're right. That's why I went by Manel. Yeah. So what's new since I last saw you? Oh, <laughs> not much. Has, nothing much has been going on. Let's no. go back. Let's go back to the very beginning. Oh, man. How did you get your job on Boy Meets World? Oh, oh wow. You want to go way back. Okay. Well, first of all, I think, you know, I don't even know. I was wondering how much you guys know about all our lives. I I take for granted, you know, some stuff, but maybe not. Bro, I've known Michael, Michael since we were seven years old. Do you know oh that? Oh, my we're, gosh. Yes, I, I do I remember, know that. I, I have this image of a story that I think you told me once of going to his house and him playing guitar. Was that the first Boy, time you met him? You know what? I can't believe I told you that story because now I'm going to tell it again. But, yeah, <laughs> that was the first time we met. Tell but, it. Yeah, we lived, uh, so I'm from Jersey, and uh, we had just moved to Edison, New Jersey, from New Brunswick, and my parents, I guess they made friends with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jacobs, and they said, we're going to take you to a house, there's a boy there, he's your age, you're going to be going to school together. You're going to be working together forever. (laughs) I didn't know that, believe me. Oh my God. Um, So we go to his house, and you know, I'm honestly, I'm not just, yeah. I'm a dumb seven-year-old kid. I, I just do whatever my parents tell me. We went. He says, hey, you all come up to my room. I'll show you uh, my comic book collection or something like that. Yep. Sounds like a pickup line. But anyway. <laughs> so, so we go up there, and I see he's got a guitar in the room. I mean, his room looks very different than my room. And he goes, I go, you play guitar? He goes, yeah, yeah. You want to hear a song I wrote? I go, a song you wow. wrote? You're seven. And he takes <laughs> wow. out the guitar, and he starts playing, and he starts singing. And I I felt bad probably for the first time in my life about myself. <laughs> and um, but I really kind of had a feeling I go this guy is uh, a genius anyway. So that's how we met. I mean mm. that's that's many years ago. So anyway, we we've been friends forever. And I never actually wanted to write for TV. I've always wanted to be in movies. I love movies. I was a film reviewer for that's the Hollywood right. Reporter in New York, and I was really enjoying my life. And then a friend of mine who saw an opportunity said, Hey, your friend, Michael Jacobs has my two dads on the air. Right. I go, yeah, because we should pitch him ideas and we can write a script. I go, Oh, okay. So I started calling him every week with ideas. Some, he would say, that's really stupid or we did it or <laughs> maybe season two. I don't know. Anyway. And then that stopped. And I, I just never, you know, I, I sent to movies. I wrote, uh, I wrote a movie about a serial killer. He wanted to turn into a comedy. And I said, no, that's okay. <laughs> 
Anyway, one time I so I finally wrote a a spec uh, Seinfeld. Seinfeld had just started, and I really loved the show. I so I, I called them up and I said I didn't I don't know the business. I said if I send I send a if I send you a Seinfeld script, if you like it, can you get it to the Seinfeld people? And he goes, Yeah, sure. Which is a lie. You know, you don't send <laughs> specs to the show you write because they legally won't even read them. But anyway, so I think after all the years, it's the first thing I wrote that he liked, and he called back and said, Hey, I like this. And, uh, and I said, so good. Can you get to the Seinfeld people? He goes, yep. And that's the last I heard from him. And then about five months later, he calls me and he goes, so listen, um, we're doing a pilot. I don't know if it's going to go. Probably won't know for a month or two. If it goes, you think you might want a job? And I go, oh, I don't know, man. I, we had just bought a house. I just, uh, no, my wife was pregnant with Dara. That's you know, right. Dara, 29 yeah. now, by the way. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, and I go, I, I don't know. So he calls me three months later. We're in this house. Dara's born. And he calls. He goes, all right, they picked us up for 13 episodes. Um, do you want the job? I need to know by tomorrow. Oh. And I go, oh, my God. So I, I go, I'll call you back. I got an immediate headache. I never wanted to leave the East Coast. I love yeah. New York. I love Jersey. But, you know, it was opportunity of a lifetime. So Lisa goes, all right, you go. She'll stay behind with the kid. I called the next day. And he goes, uh, oh, I did ask him this. This is my only important question. I go, how do you dress? You don't have to wear a tie or anything like that. He goes, no, no. <laughs> T-shirt is good. And as you know, I've worn one ever since you guys met me. Oh, he also God. said, though, but there's going to be a woman who co-created the show with me who's going to hate you. And I go, well, why would you tell me that? He goes, well, she wanted someone on staff, but I'm putting you on because I'm you know, bigger. And uh, I go, you didn't have to tell me that. I could have just gone and maybe made friends with her. <laughs> yeah, and maybe uh, worked it out. <laughs> Yeah, you worked yeah. It out. Or and maybe that's she, not going to happen. Well, right. I thought it happened. Apparently, according to the other writers, it didn't, but whatever. Anyway, so I came out to California by myself, left Lisa and Dara that's behind. Right. I remember that that whole first season, right? You guys didn't yeah. move out until second season? or uh, No, she came out. Um, he came over one day, out, and he came over to me right before a show, and he whispers, he goes, they picked us up for the back nine, called Lisa. So I yeah. called her, and she mm -hmm. made arrangements, and she came out. Literally three weeks before that giant earthquake. So she hated me. Oh my gosh. That's right. Terrible timing. Welcome to town. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, she, goes, she goes, we need an earthquake prepared kit. I go, Lisa, that, that's such a rumor. No one needs that stuff. And then boom, you know. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Always anyway, listen to your wife. So I, you're right. So I came out and uh, I got to say, you know, it was pretty exciting. The first, especially the first season because. Yeah, I'm a kid from Jersey. We're shooting on the soundstage where Mary Poppins was shot. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I'm, in, I'm rooming. I share an office with Jeff Sherman, who first day told me who he was. The Sherman brothers or his yeah. parents. Right. I mean, his father and <laughs> uncle. I go, I, it was just like, I go, what the heck? This is not supposed to happen. But anyway. So Wait, I was there did from. You live, the did you live at the Oakwood? Yeah, you well, did. don't you I remember? Thought, yeah. I do. I do. I remember that you and I would see each other at, yeah. again. Everybody. I didn't lived realize at the you Oakwood. were at the Oakwoods. Yeah, yeah, I lived there the first season too, but I didn't realize you were there. I, Jeff. I don't remember so seeing fun. you, but I remember seeing Will a couple yeah. times with uh, some guy, right? With, with Spencer. Uh, yeah, with Spencer. With, yeah, my roommate. And, you know, I, I didn't think it was such a bad place, but then some of the other writers came and they saw you. Know, I had a Murphy bed and they go, yep. We got to get you out of here. So I rented a house, but. um. <laughs> It wasn't so bad for one guy, you know? And, yeah, uh, totally. It's yeah. built for one guy. The Oakwood was built for one guy. It was, right. It's like divorced men dominated the, and actors. That was it. That's all that was at the Oakwood. So strange. And me. And, and me. you. Yeah. And you. And what, was, yeah. what was your first impression of the cast? 
No, uh, literally. Well, please do impressions of all of us. And <laughs> uh, Ben, go. Ben, ben. Ben's the only one you can do impersonation because he's so manic. Um, you know, um, well, Will, I think I was, I think I was actually there for Will's audition because you know, so I was there for every episode, but the original pilot. Right. The original pilot was some guy named uh, Harry, right, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Harry. Brandish she yeah yeah <laughs> and Matt McCoy was the dad so I'd seen the pilot and then we came and they cast Rusty uh uh and I think well I, I feel like I saw you in the audition and they loved you and cast you and then you came out and all that stuff so um and right you know I listen I you know I was enamored of everything I, I'm enamored of Hollywood and television I'm out there uh, the kid, you guys were all great right from the get-go. I mean, you know, Ben obviously is a little over the top, but fun. And um, <laughs> and Bill, listen, I mean, I, I had trouble even looking at Bill the first uh, few weeks because this is Bill Daniels, man. He yeah. was a graduate and uh, right. St. Elsewhere, which was one of my favorite shows. So I was kind of like, and by the way, I'm older starting as a TV writer than both. Yeah, you know, I'm 38, right? Yeah. And that's when I'm starting on my TV career. Which, by the way, I had no idea how long it would run. Like uh, Ed Dector kind of took me under his wing because he was from Jersey. He said, don't live beyond your means because this could end tomorrow. You know, yeah. And he was, yeah, not bad advice. Yeah, no. it was not bad advice. <laughs> we got lucky. <laughs> we got yeah. so remember, lucky, yeah. the show would only get picked up last minute each yes. season. Every and, season. Yeah, every no, we season. always felt like we were on the chopping block. It's crazy. It yeah. was kind of weird now that I look back because it was kind of a popular show, I think, you know, uh, but we didn't know. We didn't, there was no yeah. internet back then, so we didn't really know what was going on. Um, yeah. So my first impression, though, I remember like the first table read, uh, you know, I loved everyone. But for me, William Russ, who I just saw, I loved Wise Guy, like Beyond yeah. Belief. Yeah. Great show. And, and me and Ed, we just, it's Roger LaCoco. And we went up to him <laughs> afterwards. And, you know, I was more like a fawning fan than a writer. <laughs> uh, and by the way, I, I was just starting, so I wasn't even barely a writer yet. And um but it was just crazy. I mean, the yeah, the whole production, it was it was great, right? From the, and our first run through on that sound stage, we had the whole sound stage for ourselves. You remember yeah, that? It was, it was yeah, enormous. So big. It was, it was enormous. So, it was too echoey, you know, yeah. but it was yeah. enormous. But it was just it was kind of a, a dream come true for me, you know. It's so funny to me to hear you tell that story because it's so it sounds so much like our stories. And when we were, you know, when we were kids, obviously, when the show started. And yeah. so from our perspective, you guys, without knowing anything, you guys were all experts. You all knew Holy everything pros. that was going on. Yes. You guys were completely in charge. Nothing was new. Right. This was not like it was all so <laughs> yeah. to us. It seemed like you guys knew exactly what you were doing. And yeah, yet that's... you had basically just moved out here wide eyed and uh. and bushy tailed and just as excited as all of us. We, we were yeah, all everyone. more experienced than you were by this point, apparently. <laughs> We had no. done more TV shows. That's well, probably true. That's you funny. were. I, I had no TV experience, um, <laughs> right? Other than watching it, and you know, I mean, I had writing experience. I was, you know, I was a film reviewer, and I, I had a weekly call, a monthly column for the entertainment weekly. I was, I was really enjoying my life. I was a freelance writer. So, did we ruin East. your life? Well, ultimately, <laughs> I didn't realize it at first. Um, but no, yes. no, it was, it was, it was an amazing. Now, once I made the decision, and yeah. and I give Lisa a lot of credit because she. She didn't yeah. really blink. She says, go ahead. I'll, and she was working full time. She had to oh, wow. get off. You know, I made a few mistakes. I go, oh yeah, I went to see a movie last night. She goes, oh really? Here yeah, exactly. Must be nice. <laughs> How was that? Right. So, <laughs> make that mistake once. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. 
Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. As a podcast focused on reliving memories from our past, I can tell you firsthand, as you get older, your memory just isn't as reliable as it used to be. Yeah, if we didn't have Will here, there would be a lot of dead air. (laughs) That is true, Robert. Well, guys, since I know you need a little help, you're going to love Legacy Box. It's the safest way to digitize your home videos and pictures, even when you think you don't have a way to watch them anymore. Oh, this is perfect, especially with Mother's Day right around the corner. It really is the perfect gift for the whole family, whether it's a sweet 16 or college graduation. First steps or performing a Backstreet Boys dance in between scenes on your childhood network sitcom. This is the way to reconnect with your history. The process is so easy. You just fill your legacy box with old VHS or camcorder tapes, pictures, negatives, film reels. I mean, they even work with over 15 different types of analog media, so they have you covered. Then you just send the box back and their team professionally digitizes everything by hand in the U.S. And you'll get it all back on the cloud or on a thumb drive along with your originals. I recently sent off my first box to Legacy Box and I got into my old storage unit and found about 40 tapes, all different media. And I was able to label each one and send it off. I cannot wait to see what these tapes hold. Jensen and I also recently got some of his home videos digitized and being able to hear his parents' voices again has been a real gift. So join over 1.5 million families that have trusted Legacy Box with their memories. Go to LegacyBox.com slash world to save 60% during their best Mother's Day sale ever. It's time to connect with your past and make sure those memories are preserved properly. That's LegacyBox.com slash world. Summer is steadily approaching and you know what that means. Wearing a shirt at the beach so I don't look like a sad radish for the entire vacation. Okay, maybe. Being thirsty? Yes, Ryder, you got it. It is time to go outside and bask in the glory that is sunshine with barbecues and hikes and trips to exotic locations. With your shirt on? Yes, with your shirt on. It is time to jump into a camper van with your son and your wife and... Torture everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with all these summer activities, it's so important that you stay hydrated. And we're here to tell you all about Liquid IV. It has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. You just rip open a packet and pour it into your water and bam, you're hydrating with electrolytes, essential vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. But most importantly, it tastes good. It's so easy and perfect after a workout, which I do to replenish after a nice long run. And you can travel with Liquid IV right there in your pocket. Add it to a water on a flight or after a big night when you need just a little assistance to get up in the morning. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. And with sugar-free flavors like white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime, you can't miss. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code WORLD at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WORLD at liquidiv.com. It's 2024 and stress is already everywhere. Deadlines at work. Your kid's screaming at you. Non-stop traffic. The world is ending. That's a big jump there, Ryder. Sorry. 
kind of true. Yeah, well, when we want to get away from the struggles of everyday life and have some comforting me time, we break into some Keebler Sandies. Let's say it's finals week and Mr. Feeney has scheduled all of the tests into one day. How will Topanga find a comforting moment to herself? Go to the mall? Mm, Not with this hair. Play guitar with her father, Jedediah? Depends on which Jedediah. Bite into some delicious Keebler Sandies? Exactly. Keebler Sandies are buttery shortbread cookies made with simple ingredients. And each Keebler Sandies cookie is baked to perfection by the adorable Keebler elves for a light sweetness and texture that melts in your mouth. God bless those little Keebler elves. When you need a comforting moment for yourself, Keebler Sandies is the perfect treat that will keep you going. So, the next time you feel like you're juggling it all, reach for a Keebler Sandies shortbread cookie to enjoy a simple moment of comfort. Tell the elves Pod Meets World sent ya. They're real. I've seen them. I have a question for you. So you talked about the first table read, which we've covered. We've kind of a bit covered from our side right. what kind of the week was like. But from a writer's standpoint, so we would finish the table read and then it was like we'd scatter. The actors would go one right. way and the writers would go. So once you had all heard the table read, what would happen then script wise? Yeah. Great question. Yeah, good question. And I, our table reads, I think, were f- Friday, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which was, in a way, it was good for us because, you know, uh, Michael, uh, you know, he's a devout Jew. So we would always pray for, like, sometimes we would pull the dra- the blinds and say, oh, sundown is here. And, you know, <laughs> Time to go. We wanted to get out. Change but the clocks. <laughs> we would do whatever it took. But no, yeah, the, so the process would be you guys would leave and then the studio and network would give notes and, um, the first seasons in particular, maybe even the first couple of seasons, you know, M- Michael, you know, he's a very convincing guy, very powerful guy. And, and he was able to almost talk them off every note they would give. He goes, well, you know, I understand what you're saying, but we're going to do this and this and this. And so they would give notes. We would go back and do a rewrite and um, we would have to stop at sundown. I, I actually believe on Boy Meets World, we were a little more efficient. On Girl Meets World, was, we'll talk about it. It was just, it was terrible. But um yeah, because you guys would write all weekend, right? We would work on Sundays. I don't ever remember yeah. working on a weekend for Boy. Um, okay. So I think we would either finish or maybe we would come in early on Monday and try to finish because then we would have our run through first, right? Yeah. On Monday. Yeah, on yeah Monday. producer yeah. run through Monday. So we could see what worked and didn't work based on, you know, uh, some jokes would die. You know, some jokes are really funny in the writer's room. And then, you know, crickets and you go, oh, man. Fall flat. So yeah. we do that. Then we do another rewrite that night. And then the next day is the network uh, studio. How late? How late would you go on like a Monday night? Yeah, on a Monday night. And and by the way, I remember. So I was brand new, and April. Um, she, I don't know she felt like the room would April be too Kelly. Good. We April we've Kelly. talked about April Kelly, but she's a little bit of a mystery on our show. She is. <laughs> she was. She was really. She was. A very, she was a really good writer. She was a very interesting personality. Um, so she didn't want all of us in the rewrites like me and Sherman. And by the way, all of us just meant me and Sherman had to alternate. She she wouldn't have one more person there. I always wanted to stay. I go, I don't care. I'll stay at five in the morning. I just want to be part of this. This is so exciting. And so and she uh, just wanted a smaller group in the room. That was that's what she said. OK. I, okay. I, and by the way, the group was already 13. I don't know what 14 people would be. Right. Right. Anyway. Wow. But but a lot of times it would go it would go late. I kind of remember there were a few three in the you know morning kind of nights, wow. but not but not, not wow. a ton. Uh, that show once it got going, you know, unless the script was really bad and we had to do a scratch rewrite, which sometimes we we had to do, then it could go you know horribly. But um, yeah, first so the first year for me was just kind of all fun. Uh, yeah, I remember, <laughs> I remember once I had to run through Rusty. 
did like a backflip over a kitchen counter just yeah. just enter and I, i'm like i just pointed like look at that you see that and he goes we don't point you just <laughs> just watch but um <laughs> we don't point yeah, you don't nice. point. How far in advance did you guys have the script ideas down? Because that's something we've talked about a lot is like, you know, even so episodes, once you knew Topanga was going to be a part of the of the cast and like a regular, regular cast member, how far in advance? Like then was Topanga just added into to episodes that had already kind of been written? No, no, no. Um, Well, first of all, you know, when the season first starts, you have a lot of time. Yeah. Was it six weeks? Even I don't remember what pre-production is, but that's all that is, is coming up with stories. It was, it was actually my least. Yeah. I I get, you know, he he would say, all right, everyone come in tomorrow with 10 story ideas. I'll never forget that. I go, whoa. And by the way, I didn't think of any storylines coming into the show. I didn't think, oh, well, get started. There'll be a little run, you know, feeling out process. Come with 10 ideas. You come in the next day and maybe he likes one. Some like few of another, and then so that means there would be like if out of thirteen or fourteen of you, there'd be like a hundred and forty ideas thrown well, to out. To start of with, I mean, you don't <laughs> wow. pitch everything, right? You learn, yeah, right. You learn. And some of them would be like B storylines, or you know, they would get yeah, That's interesting. Exactly what would happen? And by the way, and sometimes uh, at least the first season, like I'll, you can pitch an idea that he likes, but you don't necessarily get the script. So it's just kind mm-hmm. of a, right. which is fine, kind of a free for all thing. And um, so that's at the beginning. Then you have time, and then pick a bunch of stories. And then you start, if he likes 10, we start breaking the first one and you break it. And then the, the writer who's assigned that gets off, goes, writes an outline. Explain to our approved. listeners what it means to break to break an idea. So say you come up with an idea like, um, uh, what was the Boy World episode? Let's do B-Team one of, of Life. Yours. Exactly. Yeah. Let's B-team use B-Team of, of Life. Okay. Well, that, well, I didn't pitch that one. I have no idea how that got to Genesis. Um mm-hmm. Well, actually, let's do the other one, Kid Gloves, because that, okay, that's based sure. on Michael's Michael's father, dad, Arnie Jacobs. I think he boxed in the Navy. Maybe he won those silver gloves. I don't remember that. But that just that that started a conversation. That started the idea, and that led to that episode. So, whoever's assigned, and I was assigned that one. It wasn't my original idea. As a room, you kind of break down the story. You kind of figure out, okay, you know, the plot line. You know, what's the cold open? What's you know, the first act, what's the act break and the, how's it going to end? And you start talking that out and then you got to break it down scene by scene by scene by scene for the outline because the outline has to be approved by Michael and I guess maybe even the studio and network. And once you get an outline, then a writer is sent off to go write that script. And uh, in the very beginning, writers would be given two weeks. And since I was brand new, uh, Ed suggested, why don't you fly to Jersey, be with your wife and daughter and go write one. And um and uh, and that's what that's what the first season was like. Later on, you you know, especially when we wrote, like when it became a producer level, you're involved in everything. You don't go off. You write in between rewrites. Yeah. You write in between everything else. And I actually prefer that. I like being in the office and around everything because you don't want to miss out. You know, you like you want to be part of uh, yeah. every run through and every rewrite. Um, so breaking the stories, like you know, you got to figure out is there a story? And now this is one area where Michael. I gotta say, it's kind of this is his biggest genius. You'll pitch an idea, and he'll he'll if he likes it even a little bit, he goes right, hold on, and then he'll see if he can see the whole story. And if he can't, you can't convince him, and he'll go, no, that's not going to work. Next idea, you know. And but other times, you'll pitch an idea, you have no idea where it's going to go. You just hope he likes it. He goes, okay, that's good, that's good. I can see this is what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And it it just you know, and then and then you know the rewrite process, right? So we all rewrite as a group. Yeah. You, know, you turn in a script, 
It's very hard on the heart and the ego. You know, you put your blood and sweat and you go, <laughs> well, this is the greatest script ever written. And, you know, you find out <laughs> Always, how, wrong, yeah. how wrong you were because also part of the problem is you guys are professional actors. We These writers would have to act out your roles and you would hate giving certain parts to certain people because they were horrible. I, like, I'm not a good actor. You know, I sweat a lot. I get nervous. And sometimes <laughs> I butchered a line and a writer would go, you butchered that line. But Michael could still see through it. But yeah. So you do a re- you do a, you do a read through with the with the writers, and then he'll either and then you just wait for either the acts to come down or, okay, that's okay, that's workable. But sometimes none of this works, and you know you're you're you feel bad for the rest of the writers because that means it's going to be a hard week. You know? Right. Oh. If he goes, okay, that's good. It's like a sigh of relief, you know. And um, did you ever fight? Did you ever fight for anything that everyone was like, this isn't working and you knew it would. And it's just like, no, I'm telling you, this is going to work. Maybe the actors didn't hit it right in the in the run through. Because, again, th- that's the other thing is it's it's such a symbiotic relationship because the, the you can write the greatest script in the world if we are off that day and we're right. not committing to the material, you're not going to be able to see what the script could be. Yeah. So, I mean, that's we, we would always that's why constantly people would tell us or you hear trust your writers because you then have to commit 100 percent and run into the wall full speed, hoping to knock it down, knowing that sometimes right. you're just going to knock yourself unconscious. But was there ever <laughs> a time you can remember where you're essentially saying, no, I know this is going to work. They didn't nail it today. It's going to work. Let's keep it in. I mean, uh, me personally, probably not often. I mean, a couple, couple times you fight, mostly you fight for a, a joke that you like. And that's something right. you learn also, to be honest, as a writer. The jokes aren't that as important. I mean, there's some jokes that I, I love so much that I did fight a little bit and, and network cut it because it maybe had like a little part of a bad word in it. You know, like mm-hmm. I think it was no, no sure dumbass, you know? Yeah. And oh, they, that was a Matt Lawrence no line, dumbass. season seven. Yep. Season yeah. seven, Matt Lawrence and they line. Cut, they cut that. And and Michael, I think, fought for it. I mean, like, to me, here's the truth. We could have a bad run through and not because not you guys suck, just because whatever. It's just something was off. I, I'd say uh, a lot of times we can see through it, but sometimes you can't. You know, if we'll yeah. give it another chance, if it doesn't work for the second run through, it's gone. Yeah. You, no matter yeah. what you do. Yeah. So, I mean, People have fought for lines and fought for moments. Um, and usually, you know, if they are really good, they'll they'll stick in there. The the scripts do get better. The process, as much as sometimes it's painful yeah. uh, as a writer to just see your script go, you know, I mean, <laughs> and by the way, this was way before like computers. So sometimes Michael would take a pencil and scratch out everywhere. Oh, on Michael the and his pencils. Oh, <laughs> we remember. Yeah. yeah. And, and remember that. So, uh, I have a quick question. Do you remember your favorite joke that you wrote that got into the show? Do you, do you have like a favorite line? I mean, you know, it's, you're not supposed to do it. It's not cool to do it. The only, oh, the only come joke. On. Come on. I, it's, it's I, one have joke. Two, I have two that I think are ascribed to you. Yeah. I, well, well, no, well, no, sir. Dumbass, to be honest, that was one of my favorite jokes. So I, your... I hated, hated losing that. Um, and the only one, and I only tell it because Michael tells it. So I feel like he's the one who talks about it. And by the way, he talked about this joke for so many years. It sounds like I wrote one good joke, which <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote. I wrote one great joke, but I mean. Again, it's a writer's. The whole process gets uh, right. It was, it's all uh, shared. It was the you know you and you and Corey in the closet when Feeny finds yes. you in the you know maybe okay. That, I, I always thought yeah. that that was your joke, and I didn't know yeah. if that was true. But you all only right. thought it because Michael told he told he told everyone that he goes oh, Manila wrote that one joke, and literally this is ten years after Boy's Roll. He's thought about that one joke, so it kind of right. I kind of got labeled by that one joke but anyway but uh other than that <laughs> but it's still my favorite line we were just talking about it, it was yep. like one of yeah. my it's still like my favorite line it makes me laugh every time and then the other it's one was the something something creepy well, under boat andy was that you too 
Yes. <laughs> well, I, I'll scuba. tell you the truth. It was in this. It was in my first. That's what my. Oh, that was the kid gloves, right? So second yeah. script. I, I wrote, I think, something cold under boat, Andy, and he changed gotcha. it to creepy, which is much funnier. <laughs> much funnier. Yeah. Wait, so I do want to just go back and remind the audience what the line is that both of you guys were talking about that when Feeney catches you guys in the closet, right? Or say what it is. Don't move. Maybe he doesn't see us. Yeah, and <laughs> he's staring right at them from a <laughs> foot away. Right. Yeah. Listen, right. two, two things. One of the reasons that really works is, is Bill's look of like, are you what? Like, right. How yeah. stupid are you guys? His look was great. You guys were great. And, um, you know, and it was just on the heels of Jurassic Park coming out too. Like Jurassic Park was only a year old where that whole idea of like not moving and the, the T-Rex wouldn't sit. It was just so right. great. Don't move. <laughs> you know, I, this is going to sound very pretentious, but I'm, I, I, I'm not very writer-y, you know? And so, uh-huh. but I will just say this. I remember we were in the, in the writer's room and we were having trouble coming up with a line. And I actually, you know, so you get credit for this writer. I go, what would Sean say? I mean, I actually did that. Right. I, I, right. Not that I dumbed down, but I just I just wanted to say, what right. would Sean say? So, you know, Sean, you know, I'm not going to say Sean wrote the line. And, and it was in the air That's because funny. of Jurassic Park, but it just fit. Yeah. That's all. But so, oh, great. Yeah. so great. By the way, there's a lot of stuff I don't remember. Like people said, was that yours? I don't, you know, there's one John yeah. Strauss. I, I tried, and I, I, it's out of context, not even the funniest line, but it's just like, it was a funny moment. I go, I go, that was yours. He goes, no, that was yours. Like we fought. I go, no, I'm, I'm, I'm positive that was yours. <laughs> Neither of you remember it, right? And by the way, that never happens in a writer's room. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, so, that was mine. Yeah. yeah uh, but, do you have a favorite episode that you wrote and why is it? And then there was Sean. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the one, man. And, and there was, and then there was Sean. Um, yeah. yeah, that's well, something we should we should we should bracket very quickly by saying because have, have we always refer to it? This is the, the man that wrote episode. the scream episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, well, again, and I really do want to. I'm not. I'm not humble or anything like that. You know, every script you guys get is rewritten with the room. You know, through Michael's eyes, but through the whole room. That one though, I, you know, maybe uh, that one I probably more lasted than a lot of other i had some scripts that were totally rewritten that one is it's unfair because it was a really fun so different type script yeah. and i will say this it's the only script i ever i did you know you say do you ever fight for anything we were talking about doing this kind of movie thing and i am i love movies so much and I, you know you know my i won't tell you my email because but you know you know it's film is in there you know yeah. something right. else i love right and and actually i i'll never forget i i, I not that I was a pushover, but I was like just so grateful to be there, and and I wasn't aggressive or ambitious even. Yeah, you know, I I never took a meeting while I was writing. Everyone's off writing. I didn't know you were supposed to use this as a launching pad to get somewhere else. I just thought, oh boy, this role will run forever, and I'm good, you know. <laughs> but I went to Michael's office. I said, listen, there's something being talked about, and I think I and someone else was uh, maybe running the show at the time. I don't remember why I went to him elsewhere, but I said, I I really I I can. This is I should write this. This is. This yeah. is just in my wheelhouse. And yeah. he, he gave it to me. And I mean, I, I had a lie about this, by the way. I wrote it like in two days. But he goes, I remember third, third, third day in, he goes, where are you? I go, oh, I'm like on page 30. He goes, you better not be. You should be on page 10. I go, I'm kidding. Of course I'm on page 10. It was done. It was done. <laughs> it was, done because oh it was just so much fun to write. So and, and, fun. and and putting different kind of lines in your guys' mouths was I fun. Mean, it, was, it is such a classic episode yeah it yeah. is well, the easily the number one most talked about episode over the years still to yep. this day we go to conventions yep. we meet people it's the number one episode people want to talk about they've written it, articles about it like they've yeah. done full every, breakdowns every of year, the episode every, 
every well, Halloween. I, yeah. yeah, I got to tell you, and, and I'm not overstating this. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote a good draft, and it got better in the writers' room. But I want to give ninety percent credit to Jeff McCracken. This guy, he yeah. he he got that script, and I'd never seen. He was so yeah. He goes, oh my god, I know what I'm going to do with this. And yeah, I, I remember our first run through, even with and, and the lighting and the music, Ray Colcord and every, yeah. everything. You guys were came together. No, we weren't. No, we weren't. No, we couldn't keep it together. Don't lie. We couldn't keep it together. You guys said you had a great time fooling around, but it you, it worked perfectly against Do the you, backdrop. Do by any it. chance, remember the name of the janitor, the actor who played the janitor? No, but someone, someone uh, you know what? Uh, to be honest, I actually was sort of interviewed for this for some whatever uh, online thing. And he said, I heard that. I, he, he said he was an actor that was known from something else, but it, it, I don't remember his name. I looked him up a long time ago. Mm. But I don't he, think was he was there. An actor. You saw him too, right? <laughs> yes. Did he exist? We're still trying to track him down, and now we're wondering if he never even he existed. Was a, he was a he background was an actor. That's why wow. he didn't get credit. Like, there's no I, I IMDb think, credit for background. So, yeah. he got, because he had, he had no lines. Line, but yeah. I, no, I think, I think I want to say either McCracken or someone on set you know, saw him and brought either him or a picture up the Michael's yeah perfect and my guy was he perfect he was oh so God, scary so looking great. now so, Jeff oh go ahead yes. I know how humble you are and I'm also and I also know the truth that jokes and scripts get rewritten by everybody but two of my favorite jokes in the entire series are in that episode the scream episode one is the pencil joke we'll always remember oh, he was he this was tall. this tall great joke <laughs> Great joke. That's fine. I don't think that's mine. That's, I, I, and I, I don't want to give every line that's not mine to Michael, but I'm pretty sure that's not mine. But that's a great joke. I love that joke. joke. It was also Michael's yeah. idea to have him slide down the wall with the pencil. That, that, I remember. Yeah. that, was, that was great. That was great. Yeah. And then my other favorite joke is I will get as close I'll to dying as you can possibly get without actually dying. dying. Yeah. That's is, a great. I love that joke, and I thank you. And it's not mine. I don't know who okay. it was. I right. also think that was Michael's. Uh, again, I don't want to take away from any other writer. Yeah, I'll be. I'm a, I'll always be honest. If I if I don't know it was mine, I'll say I don't think it was mine. That well, one was they're, not mine. They're sure genius it's lines. Whoever yeah, wrote yeah, them, okay. credit yeah, to yeah. whoever wrote them. They're both yeah. they're both genius. So those I are just agree. two of my favorite jokes. I have a question. So yes. you're in the writers' room now, writer. I think writer alluded to this the other day that apparently we've heard that there were certain writers that were. Maybe not more acclimated is not the right way to say it. That that maybe had the voice of a certain character in their mouth more than somebody else. Like, oh, yeah. they always they're they're great with Sean. They're great with Eric. They're great with Topanga. It, it, was that true? You know, that was true. Uh, like, you know, Matt Nelson, to be honest, in especially in the later years, was considered the voice of Sean, especially when That's Sean right. became very you know deeper yeah. and, yep. and and maybe even angst. soulful Matt Nelson yes yeah. totally because yeah, yeah. Matt had a lot of angst and and but he's yeah. a great writer he was also a great writer he was a playwright great you know, writer so, yeah so I mean it, but it wouldn't be like he would do all the right. Sean lines but sometimes you know especially in, in a script that he wrote or someone else wrote he he would have he could get that voice yeah Matt, you know, Michael would go Matt you know what would, right you know, what, what, what would Sean, Sean say here yeah exactly and right. sometimes you know that's so who sandwich, who was Morgan? <laughs> um, even, even Morgan doesn't know who was Morgan. Second Morgan, not the first uh, one. Oh, the second, second Morgan. Morgan. Who was yeah. Morgan? Um, no, I don't know. That was <laughs> so you, you know. mentioned like the kids, the kid gloves episode was inspired by a real life story from Michael's life. Did yeah. any of your personal life experiences make it into an episode? Uh, uh yeah. I mean, um, uh, 
let's see. Yeah, a lot. Of, well, like on Grumpy's Roll, I had one, but uh, boy, the only one was I remember once uh, I got I got bit by a dog, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and I think I was. I just thought about that and, and it was bad and I was really nervous what was going to happen. And so um, I, 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 I pitched the idea, but uh, Blutman and Buzzgang wrote the script where Corey gets bit and thinks That's he's turning into a werewolf. So yeah. I didn't think I was turning into a werewolf. Right. But I, I did, I did think he got bit by something. He didn't know what it was and, and hair started growing on his arms and, but they ran with it and they were a real, really funny script. Um, you're pitching stuff all the stuff times from your life, you know, a bad sleepover, stuff like that, that, you know, things go wrong and they, they change. You know, you can pitch one idea that becomes something entirely different. Right. And that, that's the good yeah. process of the right, you know, the writer's room, someone will take something and run with it and you go, Ooh, that's, that's better than I thought. <laughs> so, now, would you ever, was there ever a story that you kept pitching over and over again that you wanted to get done that just never happened where it was like, I want to do this and it just never <laughs> happened. Uh, now there was some you pitched that you kind of knew this is stupid, but it was, you think it could be funny. You know, I, I, I don't remember. I, I'd rather not even say it because they were so bad. Some of them were so bad. Uh, you know, I think Blubber the Busking kept wanting to pitch. Corey wanted to pretend to be Jews so we could have a bar mitzvah, which was very funny. He wanted oh, to get that guests. Is funny. But it just never happened. I think they pitched that a couple of times. Um, there was one I pitched that I remember. Uh, now I won't go to it. It's kind of disgusting. I think I wanted to pitch Ryder's the first guy to try to get a job on Mars. He wants to beat the rush. Right. You know, so I mean, there's just <laughs> stupid things out there. No, no, but nothing that I would ever push. Because to be honest, if Michael says no uh, or it doesn't go, you know, you don't want to be that guy. That, hey, remember that one I pitched? Oh, yeah, the one I hated. Yeah. Why yeah. don't you pitch that again? So probably not. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves, and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So, make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. It's 2024 and stress is already everywhere. Deadlines at work. Your kid's screaming at you. Non-stop traffic. The world is ending. That's a big jump there, Ryder. Sorry, kind of true. Yeah, well, when we want to get away from the struggles of everyday life and have some comforting me time, we break into some Keebler Sandy. Let's say it's finals week and Mr. Feeney has scheduled all of the tests into one day. How will Topanga find a comforting moment to herself? Go to the mall? Mm, Not with this hair. Play guitar with her father, Jedediah? Depends on which Jedediah. Bite into some delicious Keebler Sandies? Exactly. Keebler Sandies are buttery shortbread cookies made with simple ingredients. And each Keebler Sandies cookie is baked to perfection by the adorable Keebler elves for a light sweetness and texture that melts in your mouth. God bless those little Keebler elves. When you need a comforting moment for yourself, Keebler Sandies is the perfect treat that will keep you going. So, the next time you feel like you're juggling it all, reach for a Keebler Sandies shortbread cookie to enjoy a simple moment of comfort. Tell the elves Pod Meets World sent ya. They're real. I've seen them. We talk a lot about moms on this podcast and how important they are to us. Absolutely. Without Jen Fischel, what pictures would we post on our social media? But above and beyond all the incredible mom things they did for us, laundry, dinners, let us travel to Los Angeles alone to chase our dreams of acting. Will, what, what else was your mom doing? Uh, my mom was also running all three courts in Connecticut while 
authoring books. Wow. Well, whether your mom was a legal trailblazer or just the greatest source of inspiration and care in the world, this Mother's Day, she deserves some flowers. You're right. And that's why I'm sending mine farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And while I'm teaching you things, how about 25% off your entire Books order so you can join us in treating our mothers to a beautiful arrangement? Love it. Here's why I like the Books company. They are different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. That's really cool. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Your mom is unique, so she deserves flowers just as special. And Books is simple. I went online, picked the delivery date, and I'm done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your Books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Go to books.com and use promo code WORLD for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com promo code WORLD. Books promo code WORLD. When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze, you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ioniq 5 is a tech Ford electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve, forcing me to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard? Hyundai. It's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. So I'm wondering, Jeff, if you remember, because we had this debate when we watched B-Team of Life, which aired yeah, as the I, 13th episode. I actually episode. listened to that. Okay, so was wrong, that actually... You're all wrong. No, really, really? Wrong. Yeah, but I understand. Uh, it was early. It was one of the earlier scripts. And and I guess you're probably right. Maybe it was too close to the pilot. So, so we were right. We were right. But I mean... <laughs> It, it, was, it was within the first run of like five episodes, right? And then it just I, got pushed so. into the back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I believe it was like the second or third one that we wrote, that we broke, yeah. that we shot. Um, All right. But, uh, you know, why things get moved around, That's that was way above my pay grade. So I have no idea right. why. Right. But you're probably right as far as that goes. They probably go, too close to the pilot. Let's just move it. It didn't matter, you know? Yeah. Um, I gotta tell you, I, I was listening to you guys' analysis of. I, I've, I have not seen those shows. I'm not kidding. Uh, <laughs> since 1994, you know, so those two episodes, I haven't, you know. But Kid Gloves, I watched it yesterday. And I, te- I teared up at the end. It was really sweet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just so nice to see everyone so young. It is a nice show. It's a nice show. It, it really is. It were you aware so of that? I mean, when you yeah. were when you guys were in the writers' room, were, how much of like. Because the tone of Boy Meets World is very unique, right? Like, it's not a silly, 
sitcom. It's not, it's not, it wasn't yeah. like other kid shows at the time. And were you guys conscious of that? Were you talking about that? Were you aware like, oh, we're going to make sure that this actually pulls some heartstrings and says something real? I mean, what was that conversation like? I, I think uh, I would say, uh, as far as I can remember, it again, it's a long time ago. I do, but I do remember. You know, my, my, there was always heart. Mike always wanted to have a message. There was always, always wanted right. to do a little more. I mean, listen, always wanted to be funny because funny is, right. is is important. Priority number one. It, it should be, but you know, later on, maybe it wasn't for some of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like John Strauss once called me and said when he was let off the show, he goes, "When did the show become a drama?" And I go, "Yeah." You know, but I actually like that. Four. <laughs> yeah, never, <laughs> never for Three me. And a half. Never became a drama for me. Was no, always for Eric. No, no, we'll, no, we'll, 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 we'll get to you in a second. I have a thought about you. Um, <laughs> I, I remember when you came in and you begged us to stop making you so stupid, and I think we rewarded you by making you become a couch cushion. Yes, I think that was pretty much what happened. I did. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, thanks I for did. speaking up. Well, yeah, I came in and walked in. And get was in like, the cushion. Can we, can we do something that's not like this, please? <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, but but to be honest, uh, Ryder, yeah, we, I, you know, I don't think we were trying to be. One one thing, Michael would always say, we never wanted to talk down to the kids. Never wanted yeah. to treat them like, I mean, treat them like kids, but not talk down to them. Never be condescending because most yeah. of the storylines they will understand and get. And you know, even though we were young when we started. I, I think I like to think we always thought we were like doing a little bit more, a little bit better. We cared a lot. And every yeah. I think every episode, except for maybe Last Tango in Philly, not my favorite episode that I wrote, um, <laughs> had a message or had a good message, yeah. you know, and um, always had heart. And we always tried to take it one step above. I, I think we did, at least in hindsight, we did. Yeah. Well, the thing yeah. that amazes me or actually all of us is that none of us realized how involved the parents were yeah. because yeah. we're you know we weren't we're in school when they're rehearsing so you kind of and then they're adults we're not kind of with them but as we're watching the show there's a lot of amy and alan and feeny and they're yeah. they're so good yeah. but again to to go to writer's point that it's not a kid's show at all it's this hybrid show where it's all about the kids and then there's two scenes that's just betsy and rusty yeah um so there is it was a very interesting combination of the two uh and something that I don't think has really been seen before or since. It was either about the kids or about yep. the adults. Right. Um, so uh, it's a good kind point. of combo. No, that's a good point. I, I can't speak to like whether that was a conscious thing. Certainly not on my part. It wasn't. But um, but you're right. I, I was watching those two episodes last night. I go, they're great. First of all, you yeah, know, they're just so good together. They, they're they're great. so. I had no idea how beautiful Betsy was until I watched her last yesterday. I go, <laughs> I used to hang on the set with that woman. Yeah, she. I mean, she's <laughs> obviously she's beautiful, but she was just so natural. She really yeah, had yeah. a. And Still Rusty. that pretty. Still that pretty too. Yeah, I know she yeah. is. I saw her crazy. a few years ago. She looks great. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. and Rusty's Rusty is the best. I I'm sort of I, I'm in touch with Ru- him. But we yeah, Ru- Rusty still that pretty. Still yeah, that pretty. Still beautiful. <laughs> so that, that full head of hair, he's, he's crazy. But uh, yeah. Do you a, remember playing Santa in the Family Trees episode? Do I remember? Yes. I just got a dollar fifty check for that. You know, last <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Spend it all. Was we residuals. About, yeah, we talked Baby about residuals. I fought about. I fought against it because you know they. Yeah, my they they once dressed me up as a carrot, and and because they just wanted to, they just wanted to put a fat man in a carrot suit, and uh, and then Michael goes, you know, you're gonna be Santa, and I go, I know why you want me to, because you know I'm the heaviest guy on staff, and I go, I don't want, I don't want to be on camera because you know, again, I sweat a lot and this and that, and putting the Santa suit on, yeah, it's so but, hot, but I gotta tell you, you know, it was a great moment between me and Ryder, and 
Fred Savage directed it, and he said, I nailed it in one, but we did two takes. And, uh, <laughs> he said that to everyone. For safety. Yeah. yeah, for safety. That's what he said. Uh, so, I, of course, I remember it. I, it's kind of a, it's a cool thing that I had, you know, that I have one line on television. And yeah. Weren't you also, Je- was it Jeff Baggy Bagwell? Yes. But that's just a picture, right? <laughs> but it's, it's yeah. the photo. It's it's with the, the baseball player who'd been hit by the most pitches. Is that right? Yeah. In the history right. of baseball? Yeah. And yes. Eric, Eric, that was you, who you were investing in. That was your big investment. He to be the guy who got hit by more pitches. And then he retired right before he would break the record. Break the record? You lost your $1,000. $1,000 on Jeff Baggy Bagwell. I just remember a big swollen faced picture of you yep i put stuff in my cheeks they yeah. put black stuff under my that one i kind of enjoyed i think i have that picture somewhere you I know what going back just a little bit to the idea of it being very important to michael to never talk down to the audience there is such a weird like formula but it wasn't a formula because we we can't figure out exactly what the magic potion was that made it work but there are a lot of terms people use these days that they use in like a kind of a derogatory way like you're you're so woke or virtue signaling and yet boy meets world always had a good message in a lot of ways people Mm -hmm. today might say it was a woke show or that it was a show Mm -hmm. that virtue signaled because it did really kind of put forth good messages of how to be a good family member, how to be a good friend, how to good, right. be a good member of society. And yet people love it. They don't mm-hmm. think about it in any sort of derogatory way. They recognize that they're getting such an incredible lesson and they don't feel like they're being beaten over the head with it. Like what, mm-hmm. what is it that made it work? It was such a, it's, it's magic. I mean, if you think about the fact that still 30 years later, the show still holds up and we yeah. are able to sit here and break down episodes and people want to hear us talk about it. There are very few shows that could still do that 30 years later. What do you think that like secret was? That's a that's a good point. I mean, maybe just because there always was a moral compass, you know, um, within Michael and with the writers. I mean, we, we you know, we, you know, you, you could pitch something that could be really funny. That could be inappropriate, obviously, in the writer's room. Obviously, you know, there's so much inappropriateness back in the right. day that could not survive today. But a lot of that wouldn't get into the scripts because just because. Always wanted to be true to the characters. You know, Michael was very keen on protecting the characters, and 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 I just think we always did what you guys would do. In other words, like you know, we're not going to do something. I wouldn't say we, we were woke or or even thought about that kind of thing. I but just it think was it, a progressive show. Well, you're right, and and by the way, I think you guys have talked about maybe you know, maybe Ryder or Will said in that. Uh, the B team story when Ryder comes in with that article to show Corey yeah. about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. other guys that used to sit on the bench. What a good friend. And, yeah. and yeah. just, I, I think because the heart of the show is relationships with all, all these people that it just sort of naturally lent to what you're talking about. I mean, yeah, this is all in hindsight. We look back now. Uh, I don't, and I don't know that we're the only show like that. I honestly, I don't know, but it, I think we sort of maybe just got lucky because we did, what we wanted to do and wanted to have a good message in each episode. And that yeah. lends itself to not doing that stuff that you would cringe now going, Oh, we yeah. should have done yeah. that or said that. So, but that's yeah. just a guess. <laughs> well, kudos to all of you guys in the room for, you know, I mean, like you said, they're in all writers rooms there, you know, in order to like keep creativity flowing, sometimes you're, you're pitching things that are like, okay, here's a bad joke, but it'll hopefully get us to a better joke. And yeah. here's something that's totally inappropriate that we're not going to use, but hopefully sure. it like sparks something that, you know, and like you said, there are, there are definitely things that I'm sure, I'm sure were said that would not be said now. And, um, <laughs> right. 
But ultimately, I think, you know, one it's been one of my favorite things uh, watching the show. People had told us over the years, wow, like it still holds up and I st- there's still such great lessons in it, but we hadn't watched it. And so now watching it ourselves, I think <laughs> right. we've all been really pleasantly surprised through this first season of just how much we actually enjoy it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it shows you guys, you guys, I mean, you guys definitely had fun and, and your camaraderie and chemistry came across right from the beginning. You know, I didn't remember, Daniel, that you were in not a lot of episodes at the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, so it was yeah. kind of, it's kind of weird when you don't see it, but then, you know, but then you 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 really grew as a character, obviously, because once we realized, you know, you were going to be part of the show, it became a big thing. But yeah, yeah I, you guys are a big part of, of that. You know, you brought the right character to the character, you know. So Well, <laughs> to that end, do you have any insight to who actually named Topanga? Um, I, I well, you know, I'm so part of my problem is, you know, I've heard a lot of the stories. Who's telling the right one? I, I can tell you this. No, I'd rather not get involved because uh, uh, <laughs> he's oh, pleading so the fifth. Close. He's pleading the fifth. Well, no, no, so I'm not going to plead the fifth because no, like, Michael, <laughs> Michael, you know, he's he did drive by you know, Topanga County. There was a lot of times we'd say, "I'm 20 minutes away. I'm at Topanga." So there's probably uh, there's a chance of that, but but I and I know <laughs> Sherman put it in his script the first time. I I don't think Bill Lawrence uh, did it. Right. No, I heard he said he did it. Um, he, you know, he wrote a, a freelance episode verse. But honestly, I can't say I remember the seminal moment. But you know, I'm going to believe Michael on this just because he did say I'm at Topanga so many times that um, I'm I'm not disbelieving Sherman. I think I know Sherman put it in his. It was in his script, the first script. You know, I'm a witness of a lot of stuff. But I, these days, I'm not a great witness because I don't remember. You know, it's like a, yeah, a lawyer would say that was 30 years ago, Your Honor. What does he remember? And yeah. I remember, I remember. Uh, a lot of things, but not everything. But okay, so we have Michael now, and Sherman. Michael and Sherman. My, somewhere between Michael and Sherman. Okay, I'll yeah. take that answer. Now, given you a lot, we've given you a lot of praise that's well deserved. Now I have a question. Uh-oh. B team of life. Yeah. How does the the math work out that the Matthews <laughs> family? <laughs> I heard you guys are arguing over this. Yeah. Did we did we cut the did, time was, machine scene? Yeah, was Is there that the thing that happened? Is there something we missed? No, but I, I will say this. I used to live outside Philly and Cheltenham's yeah. not that far from okay. Philly. So, which unfortunately hurts what I'm about yeah, to say. Yeah, it makes so, it even worse. It does make it worse. I, I think, but one of you made a good argument. I think, uh, I think it was Will, a writer, but uh, just like, you know, you go early, the bus leaves early, they get there early. I don't know what time the family, by the time he got home, they may have just left to go. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I can justify the family. They not necessarily have gone for hours. The team was gone for hours. I'd say let's stop analyzing stuff. <laughs> it <laughs> was. You can really? find a lot of plot holes in a lot of shows. Can you really justify addictive. not spatchcocking the chicken? Yeah. How I do we justify that, that Manel? Um, I didn't think that term would ever come up again. I've never heard it. So you said yeah. it. I still uh, have never heard it except I, from Will. I, I, I like cooking. <laughs> I, I do like. I do hate that Corey just threw that chicken to the dirt what a that waste. was real waste, what a waste. I know. it was really yeah. wasteful and I, I thought bill was much less angry than i would have been yeah, I mean, that's yeah. he was very um, understanding yeah. well he knows he wasn't cooking it right so he didn't really care all that much about it so that was the thing yeah i okay. told you how to spatchcock final <laughs> controversial question uh, is it a backyard or is it a side yard um it's a i've never thought about that till i heard you guys talk about it it well it's a side backyard 
Everyone knows that. There's not many of them. It's the only one ever on television. But it is. Listen, you know, my front door doesn't face the street. It faces my neighbor's house. So there are certain. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Not by. I don't like that. Um, so but, many politician answers. When are you running for Congress? I'm curious. <laughs> uh, I'm not even trying to be. I'm not trying to be. Uh, you know impartial i just uh i don't have a great answer for you i don't i never worry about that stuff because i was just so happy to be on set with all of you and uh what's, and this, part awesome, of the show. what's this awesome boy meets world art you have back there that's the poster i have i have the same one no not that this thing oh. that's oh, oh you know the what poster. yeah the boy meets world and raging bull yeah, yeah got raging bull. <laughs> two of the greatest <laughs> films and television shows in americana history it's the total spectrum one end to the other um yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had that, you know, advanced. Michael gave it to me many years ago. He was moving. He goes, and he I don't want this. I go, he didn't I say that. that. <laughs> I said, can I have that? Because he had others. He goes, yeah, take it. And uh, it was, my wife hangs it when she's teaching. I put Raging Bull back on when she's not because I love you guys. But Raging Bull is my favorite movie of all time. And of course, yeah. Boy Meets World is my favorite show of all time. Boy, I am political. I should run for office. You really yeah, should. You. It's really good to see you. Thank you so much for being here with us and answering our hard-hitting questions. And yeah, kind of. I, I know. I mean, but I, listen, I, Michael told the Topanga story, but I know Sherman put it in his script. And so I know both those are facts. You decide what that all means. Okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> but do we decide it from the side yard or the backyard? Is the I have to, <laughs> you can decide why you're spatchcocking a chicken. Yeah. Um, I see both those people, so I I'm, I'm, I believe everyone. <laughs> um, and the janitor is still a ghost. <laughs> I looked up, I looked him up after this guy interviewed me, and I found him. But and because he thought he was in another movie, he said, "Is that mm. the guy from so and so?" And it wasn't. Okay. No. It was just he was. Yeah, an extra. I think writers right. I think he was a background, background. actor. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. Okay. yeah, we will so say, really, you know, the person we should ask is Dee Dee because she might remember Dee Dee or Michael yeah. Shea because Michael they would have yeah. been yeah. in charge <laughs> of the background. Yeah, so maybe Michael they Shea. would remember the guy's name. They you might know, have yeah. written there down a somewhere weeks. or something. Yeah. Well, Steve Hafer, Steve Hafer should know, right? Or, yeah. Uh, well, maybe yeah. I, don't I don't know. No, I think we'll Dee Dee to... or Michael, Michael Shea, yeah. they would have been in charge of background. Yeah. So we we yeah we appreciate we understand that we're putting you on the spot with certain things, but the one thing we can all agree on is how thankful we are that you came up with the idea for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> it's well, so I said I wanted to be anonymous on that. I um, know, but it was you. a great idea. <laughs> Thanks for uh, inviting yeah. me on. I was Thank nervous, you as here. you know, but... Uh, we love you, Jeff. Thank you for love being you here. Too. See you, Bye Bye see you guys. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. He really should be a politician. Yeah, he say. really should. <laughs> <laughs> still don't know. Still no no real insight on Topanga and still don't know uh, side yard Topanga. backyard. No, won't say side yard backyard. <laughs> also, won't take credit for any of the lines that we no. absolutely love. That's won't old take school credit writer for his, thing. I know. Well, and he says he's like, thing. I'm not humble. It's like, well, yeah. But man, that's fun. He's, he's such. A, he's exactly the same. Now, uh, very briefly, was he the only writer that did? All seven years of boy I and then so. all of girl. Yeah. I think, I think that's so. the only one, right? Yes. Okay. And what's interesting yes. too to think about is like, you know, and and I, I will have to when we get to second and third season, you, Michael stepped away from the show for a period. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and well, David he went Kendall to go, came in as our showrunner. He started he other go, shows. Yeah. yeah. He started Misery Loves Company 
and um, you wish this time and you wish. Well, Jeff Sherman ran you wish actually. Oh, that's so right. Mike, but Michael was EP. But Michael actually left our show for a period. Like I remember we would have note sessions without Michael. Yeah. But Manel was always there. <laughs> so yeah. in a weird yeah. way, he was he's actually probably the most consistent writer producer for our show from start to finish. And Girl Meets World. He was there yeah. for every yeah. episode of Girl Meets World. So Jeff, yeah, Manel's been around for all of it. Yeah, really well, well, I mean, truthfully, the good news is it kind of makes him a perfect guest to have on as the seasons progress because mm -hmm. he'll be, a, you know, he could be good at that. I know he gets nervous and doesn't like to be interviewed and all that stuff. But the fact that he's like one of the OGs and stuck around for all those years, he yeah. Yeah. can come back. Well, Danielle, yeah. you weren't in every episode. I wasn't in every episode. Ryder, were you in every episode of the show? Yes. You didn't yeah. skip a single one? No, and I was the only actor who had... Up until the last season, I had never missed a tape night. Um, wow. and, and then I remember that one week I got sick. I got yeah. mono and the flu on top of each other. Oh my and gosh. so I missed I missed that tape night that was in the seventh season. Otherwise, up until then, I had been for every tape night. Because we used to do tape nights without Ben because he would yeah. have finals yeah. every year. So there, so there were episodes. Yeah, everybody else had, you know, but that was like I had never missed a tape night until that So you episode. and Manel might be the only two people involved in every single episode of Boy. Why yeah. are you not? You're not in an episode, Will? Why? Oh, I did a there was a couple episodes I wasn't in. There was often they just wrote you out because yeah, Michael would come okay. up to me and he, he'd put his he'd put his arm on my shoulder and he'd go, "Hey, you got we we tried to work it out, didn't work out. You got a paid vacation next week." And I go, "Okay." And that happened several times. I think there's four or five that I'm not in. Wow, I mean, I know, I know like the one where you're all you're, you're sitting on the um on the sign like trying to wing tickets to something. Oh, the Super I don't know the Eskimo Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't Eskimo. think I'm in that one. I think maybe there's a wrestling one or two I'm not in. So yeah, mm. I didn't do every episode. All right. Well then I bet you I mean as far as being in every episode, it's probably me and Ben. Because Ben's yeah. definitely in every episode. But he wasn't there for every tape night. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. So me, Ben and, and Manel. We'll figure it out. All right. Well <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us for this episode of Pod Meets World. You can follow us on Instagram, Pod Meets World Show. You can email us at podmeetsworldshow at gmail.com. And we have shirts and stuff. It's called merch. Merch. <laughs> Podmeetsworldshow.com. Uh, join us for our next episode later in the week. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for being here with us. Hope you're well. I'll do our sign off this time. We love you all. Pod dismissed. Pod Meets World is an iHeart podcast produced and hosted by Danielle Fischel, Will Friedle, and Ryder Strong. Executive producers, Jensen Karp and Amy Sugarman. Executive in charge of production, Danielle Romo. Producer and editor, Tara Sudbach. Producer, Jackie Rodriguez. Engineer and Boy Meets World superfan, Easton Allen. Our theme song is by Kyle Morton of Typhoon. You can follow us on Instagram at Pod Meets World Show or email us at podmeetsworldshow at gmail.com. When I'm on my way to drop off the kids at school and I'm on about five hours of sleep and I haven't had my coffee yet, I'm truly one of a kind. Yeah, this sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. It is. But there is one thing I can do immediately to bring some comfort and calm to the situation and keep me moving forward. Eat Keebler Sandies. I like to think that if the good-looking guy was still around, sitting on the couch, comforting himself about not getting into college, he'd ditch the Cocoa Puffs and down some Keebler Sandies instead. Mixed with chocolate syrup? Ooh, why not? When you need a comforting moment for yourself, Keebler Sandies is the perfect treat to keep you going. Each Keebler Sandies shortbread cookie is baked to perfection by the Keebler Elves for a light sweetness and a texture that melts in your mouth. The next time you feel like you're juggling it all, reach for Keebler Sandies shortbread cookies to enjoy a simple moment of comfort. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. When it comes to Pod Meets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303 mile range, available two-way charging and other category defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions, and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only.